this is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. Good morning. You know, that's pretty good for the first time. I was going to say that congregational participation will get you out of here on time, but I think you guys have figured that out already. All right. So thank you, Michael Turner, for that song selection. That was, uh, that was very nice. And thank you, David, for your introduction. And, and Michael, uh, baptizing one of, the, one of the youth, that's great. It's a great day, isn't it? Amen? All right. So uh, Nancy and I, a couple of years ago, we were looking for a church. It wasn't very difficult at all after visiting here a few times that we knew this was the place for us. And we enjoy being a part of a church that uh, has such a great pastoral staff that uh, does such a great job in worship and in ministry and education and all the things that are important to the main point, which is sharing the gospel, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's about Jesus and uh, our salvation in Christ. So so thank you for allowing me the privilege to be here and to, to speak this morning. Um, Thurman had sent me a message and asked me if I'd be willing to preach, and uh, the first thing I thought about was fear. <laughs> You know, so I thought, well, boy, that's going to be a good topic. So, uh, you know, I can testify to that firsthand. Uh, as David mentioned, I have been involved in various ministries in different parts of the, in Tennessee and in Alabama, and, and now here some in a teaching role, but um, uh, not getting to preach that often. Um, you know, you get a little rusty from time to time, so uh, I don't think anybody here is going to mistake this for a professional presentation. But uh, anyway, we're going to do our best to, to look into God's Word and to see what God says uh, on the topic of fear, and not necessarily because uh, uh, I'm fearful standing up here this morning because God has already given me assurance uh, today that the things said in here, uh, done today, and, and said in at this service uh, will be uplifting and it'll be truth from God's Word and He's in charge of the outcome. So uh, so this morning if you have your Bibles you can turn to uh, uh, Joshua chapter 1 and I'll be reading from that text in just a few minutes. But I want to talk a little bit about fear and you see on the monitors uh, just a few things that uh, I want to get started with in the way of an introduction. But uh, uh, Basically, if you see, we're fragile mortals given to fears of every sort, and it's kind of our human nature, if you want to, I'm not going to read all this to you, but uh, it's our human nature to be fearful people. Okay, Christ knew that because Christ was what God and man, and in God, and in Jesus' humanity, he also understood fear and knew what it was to be, to be fearful. And if you think about uh, fear, I mean, we, we all deal with that. I think if I were to ask for a show of hands who is never fearful of anything, I, I, I dare say no one uh, would raise their hand because we, we live in a world that's uh, sometimes precarious and we face challenges in life, and fear is often our uh, uh, an emotion that we feel. And, and fear, I got a call a few weeks ago from a young man that, that I try to talk with and encourage sometimes, uh, but he called me for a bit, a little bit of encouragement, and he says, he says, um, he calls, he calls me dad. It's not my son, but he calls me dad. He said, Dad, I, I'm fearful. I, I'm just so afraid uh, that, that I'm not going to be able to, to, to get in a position to go to school where I want to go to school. And, and we had to talk about that, about what the, the Bible says about 
dealing with those fears. But the fears are very common. R.C. Sproul says that the prohibition uttered more frequently than any other of our Lord is the command. Okay, it's not an option. It's a command. Fear not. And he said, he said this so often to his disciples and others he encountered that it almost came, um, uh, it came to sound like a greeting where most people would greet others by saying hi or hello. The first words of Jesus were very often, fear not. And uh, that's R.C. Sproul um, quoted there. But uh, we recognize that from Scripture, don't we? That, that Jesus said, fear not, multiple times. As a matter of fact, I did a little bit of a research, and the King James Version of the Bible includes 29 instances of the phrase, be not afraid. The New, New American Standard Bible includes the phrase, do not fear, 57 times, and do not be afraid, 46 times. Okay, And some argue that fear not and similar phrases are present in the Bible 365 times. And I thought, well, that's once for every day of the year, right? 365 times. So Jesus knows that we have uh, a tendency to be afraid, to be, to be fearful of the things, because in our humanity we, we see the dangers, right? We're, we're fearful of failure. We're, we're afraid sometimes that we might lose our job or we're afraid in our relationships that we might not get what we need. We, not, we, we not, might not be loved. Uh, and, and the list goes on and on and on of the things that sometimes we're fearful of. And, you know, it's one of Satan's uh, most effective uh, tools to discourage us as believers. If he can make us fearful and afraid then we're not going to be very effective, are we? We're going to run and hide rather than being courageous and standing up for the gospel. So it's very important, and uh, in many of the psalms that Michael picked this morning talked about that assurance that we have in Christ and the fact that there's no need to be fearful because Jesus has your back. And uh, if, you, if you've ever been in a position to, 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 to share the gospel, you've probably experienced fear. Because that's the right time that Satan likes to attack when you're about ready to do something for the Lord, and uh, and he doesn't like that. So so fear, uh, fear sometimes uh, prohibits us from doing what we're commanded to do in Scripture. So Jesus is looking for courage. He's looking for courageous Christians to stand up and be strong, to understand that Jesus has our backs. He's promised to be with us and to look after us and to care for us and to not let us fall. He's looking for courage. Okay? So if you get nothing out of today's message, get this. Jesus is looking for courageous Christians to share the gospel. Okay? It reminds me of a story I heard once about a Texas billionaire that was looking for a courageous young man as a potential candidate for a son-in-law. He was trying to find a, the most courageous man that he can find. So, so this billionaire throws this big party. It is it is a state and it's a pool party and he invites a couple of hundred of his closest friends and there's a lot of people uh, around the pool and he and, and they looked over and the pool is filled with with snapping turtles and alligators okay and he said if any young man here is courageous enough to jump in this pool swim to the far end and jump out I will give you one of two things I'll give you my the hand of my daughter in marriage which would entitle you to be an heir of my entire estate. Or I'll give you a check for a million dollars. And about that time, splash, he heard a splash. And he looked around, and, and the water no longer uh, just hadn't hit, hit, the, hit the pavement yet before the young man jumped up on the other end of the pool. He had made it all the way down unscathed and jumped out on the other end. So, so the Texas billionaire goes down, and he goes, young man, that was amazing. He said, I've never seen such courage. He says, so what is it that you want? Do you want the million-dollar check, or do you want to marry my daughter? And the young man says, I don't really want any of that. 
He was shocked. He says, well, what is it that you want? The young man said, I want to know who pushed me in the pool. Okay. So courage is not always what we think it is, but, but courage, courage is what, uh, is what we need to, 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 um, to have and to, and to exercise in our, in our daily lives, especially whenever we go out on uh, the mission field or our, our daily lives. You know, every day of our life is, is, should be our, our mission is to share the gospel, and, and it takes courage to do that. So if you look at the scripture today, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, about fear and about courage, and, and uh, Joshua, you know, Joshua was a unique uh, leader uh, in the Old Testament, and sometimes I think we get a, uh, some type of a, I don't know, maybe a, a sense that the heroics in the Bible and the Bible characters were some kind of um, super superheroes, like that these guys were um, more than human but the truth of the matter is, Joshua and Moses and all the, the disciples and all these guys in the Bible that did all these amazing things were just regular people like you and I, okay? So the things that apply to those folks also apply to us in, in, in this day and time. So there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing um, super spectacular about the personalities and, and, and these guys. They're just regular guys. But we're going to talk a little bit about Joseph, uh, Joshua and I'm going to read the scriptures through, uh, through Joshua chapter 1 through um, verse 9. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Okay, so that's a resounding statement right there. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and to this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the left hand nor to the right that you may prosper where you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? And here we see it again. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now we see the humanity of Joshua displayed here because of the need of, uh, of God, first of all, to start this passage and this, this commission to Joshua with assurances. God gives him assurances here in this passage. He says, you're going to be victorious. Okay, he starts off saying that. Listen, you're going to be victorious. Okay, I'm God. I'm your God. I want to keep the promises that I promised Moses. We're going to keep those promises. I'm God, right? And you're going to be successful. You're going to be successful. Now, that's a promise from God. But yet Joshua in his humanity 
was fearful or else there would have been no need for the, uh, the remaining passages here. God says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And he says again, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Now, Joshua had a unique uh, perspective here, if you think about it, because Joshua had an amazing resume. Joseph had, Joshua rather, had been prepared for ministry uh, in many ways. Joshua led the victorious battle against the Amalekites. Joshua, the servant of Moses, accompanied the Jewish leader to the mountain of God. We saw that in Exodus 24. Joshua was the attendant of Moses from his youth, Numbers chapter 11. Moses changed his name from um, Hosea, which means salvation, to Joshua, the Lord saves, in Numbers 13. Joshua, along with Caleb, spied out the land of Canaan with ten others, and only Joshua and Caleb urged the nation to possess the land, and thus only they, out of the twelve, actually entered Canaan. That was Numbers 14. Numbers 27, Joshua was indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Again in Numbers 27, Joshua was, was commissioned for the spiritual service the first time to assist Moses. Numbers um, 32, Joshua followed the Lord fully, it says. How many of us can say we follow the, law, the Lord fully? In Deuteronomy, a couple, in Deuteronomy, a couple of places here, 31 and 34, Joshua was commissioned a second time to replace Moses, and Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom. Yet, Joshua still experienced fear. It's amazing, isn't it? You would think after all the successes that Joshua had witnessed and all the preparation uh, in ministry that Joshua would be fearless. Uh, but he wasn't because in his humanity he's much like us and deal with fear. However, if you follow the story along, Joshua uh, was very successful and God kept up his end of the deal. Uh, as you well know that Joshua did, in fact, uh, replace Moses and and, and offer leadership to the children of Israel. They did cross over. They did take the land of Canaan. They did march around Jericho and, and, and take the city there. And he followed the leadership of the Lord and trusted God. He was courageous. He trusted God, and God uh, kept up his end of the deal and uh, offered success just as he promised to Joshua uh, in his ministry. So I'd like to draw the comparison there, and that was God's commission to Joshua uh, there's also another commission that we've been spending some time on, and that is God's commission to us. And our pastor and, and staff has been encouraging us for the past several weeks now uh, to take the, 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 the great, what we call the Great Commission seriously. Uh, not only did, did God commission Joshua and many of the other Old Testament saints uh, to be evangelistic, he also has commanded us. In 2017, uh, to share the gospel and and to, to to lead people to the Lord. So the Great Commission, and, and you'll probably see this many times uh, over the next few weeks and months. But the Great Commission basically says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, "All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And here it is. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So again, we find a promise from God. Just as he promised Joshua success, he's promised us success. Wow. I mean, that, that should be encouraging. I mean, we should understand this is, this is the, uh, 
straight from the, the mouth of Jesus, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So there should be uh, enough trust and confidence in the truth of the word to realize there's nothing to be afraid of when sharing your faith or when dealing with other circumstances of life. Uh, a friend of mine this week knew that I was going to be preaching. He says, what are you preaching about this week? And I said, well, I'm going to talk about fear. And he says, what kinds of fear? I said, all kinds. All kinds of fear. It's not just uh, specifically related to sharing your faith, but we're fearful in so many ways, aren't we? Satan uses that so destructively in our lives to prohibit us from moving forward and, and being the great witness for him. But the Great Commission here specifically, it's an imperative. It tells us it's not an option for believers. It's an imperative. It's a command from Jesus himself to make disciples of all nations and to baptize them and to teach them to observe all things, to teach them to be obedient to God's word. And this is an example to be obedient to God's word is to evangelize and is to share Christ with an unbelieving world. Uh, man, there's such a need for the gospel, isn't there? I mean, you see it, the, the, the condition of the world and, uh, wow, the, the, there's so many folks searching. And we have the answer right here in, in God's word. And to love our neighbor as ourself is to share the gospel. We have the solution. We have... We have the cure for the disease, and that is Jesus, and we should be courageous enough to share that. So this morning I've got uh, seven reasons to be bold in sharing the gospel, and, and I just saw a few of you look at your watch when I said seven reasons. Okay, so we're not going to spend a considerable amount of time on each one of these, all right? So we're going to run through them pretty quickly, but I can promise you there are good reasons uh, not to be fearful and to be bold. Um, I know when you hear the word evangelism, some of us, you know, runs a shiver down your spine because, again, that's, that's fear. We're afraid of failure. And we're, sometimes we, we say, well, I don't really know what to say. You know, what, what, do I, what do I say? Well, I can give you some advice. Just tell them what happened to you. You know, I can tell you what happened to me. I was lost in, in, in my sin, and I found Jesus. And here's how it's changed my life. Just say that. And God will give you the words to say, and, and just say that. Some folks will say, well, here's another excuse. I really would like to get to know that person a little bit better. I, you know, I'm a little hesitant to just approach a stranger, or I don't know them well enough to share the gospel. You'd be surprised how many folks are just waiting for someone to share the good news with them. Uh, if you're willing to, to take that step, he says, I will be with you to the age of, I'm always with you, and even to the, the end of the age. Uh, some folks say, well, they seem, they, they don't seem like they'd be too open to the gospel. Well, you never know until you ask, right? You never know until you take that step. Evangelism is not my spiritual gift. I've heard that one several times, right? Well, I'm just gifted in other areas. And you may be, and that's great, and I'm glad you are, but evangelism should be all of, it should be part of, of all of our, of the lives of everyone here. All of us have a gift of evangelism to some extent, and we should be willing to share uh, the gospel. Uh, and then there's lots of other uh, common common excuses. You know, I, that puts me out of my comfort zone and, and so on and so forth. But, but listen, the first reason it is to understand it is by the power of God that people are saved. Okay? It's not anything that you do or say. It's just your job to share the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. For salvation 
Everyone who believes, for the Jew and first also the Greek. So it's God's decision who accepts Christ. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's by the power of God, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That power that God has is what saves people. The second one, when you share your faith, you gain a deeper understanding of Christ. And I can tell you, I can testify to this firsthand. Uh, when, you, when you testify to others how God has, has saved you from sin and wrath and how he's made us a new creation and how God has filled us with, with joy and peace of the Holy Spirit that lives inside us, we, just in expressing that, we're reminded individually of what God has done for us, and it strengthens our faith. In Philemon uh, 4 and 6, the Apostle Paul says to Philemon, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And get this, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Okay, so the effectiveness of your witness, the effectiveness uh, of your faith comes in one sense from the acknowledgement of what Christ has done for you and who you are in Christ. That strengthens your relationship with Christ. That makes you a stronger believer every time you share your faith. It builds you up a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. It strengthens you whenever you're willing to take, uh, take that step outside your comfort zone and to share Christ uh, with others. Understand that we may be rejected. Okay, and in some in some sense of the uh, of the word, that may even be a good thing. Success in evangelism is measured not in the outcome, right, but in your obedience to the command of Christ. We're successful when we share, even if we're rejected. Okay, the story of Jesus and the rich young ruler in Matthew uh, nineteen sixteen through twenty two gives us a picture of this. Even Jesus Christ himself was rejected. I don't know if you can read that. Yeah, I guess you can. It's hard to see back there, but I've got it here. You can see it there. But you may remember this encounter that Christ had with this young man. And the young man says, what shall I... I'll just read it now. Behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good things shall I may do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but that one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments, he said to him. So the young guy says, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, and I'll insert in a fair cycle way, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Okay, so what's the young man saying? I'm checking, I've checked off all the boxes, okay? I go to church. I'm a good guy, okay? I'm a good person. I follow the law. What do I lack besides that? Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, follow me. Go, sell what you have, and give to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. So what is Jesus saying? Paraphrase, he's saying, what I really want is your heart. I don't want all the things that you do. I don't want you to check off the box. I don't want you to, to... It's not about works, okay? It's not about being good. I want, I want who you are. I want your heart. I want you to be willing to sell all you have to give your entire self to me. 
And when the young man heard that saying in verse 22, he says, He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So he was unwilling to give himself. He was unwilling to submit to Christ and give up his will. He valued his will and his way and his possessions more than submitting to that and the will of Jesus Christ. So he was unwilling. He rejected Christ. And again, success in evangelism is not the outcome, but in your obedience to the command of Christ. You would think that an encounter with Jesus, the Son of God, who has a power to grant saving faith, would have been a surefire conversion, right? But that was not the case, as we just saw. Um, and again, on rejection, the Bible has some things to say about that, too. When we are rejected... We are promised heavenly rewards, okay? That's how I said it could be a good thing. You can't lose whenever you share the gospel. Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12 says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So... There's an evangelist named Mark Cahill who said, you know, he, he talks about evangelism being a win-win-win. There's, there's three really good things that can come from you sharing your faith with Christ. One is if the person comes to Christ, and that's obviously a good thing, right? We would say that. Those of you that have ever led someone to the Lord uh, and shared the faith and, and someone accepted Christ, it really, really does something to encourage you, don't it? The second thing is if they seem interested but don't come to Christ, and obviously you've planted a seed there that God could water and grow in the future, which a lot of times that's the case. You, know, you share your faith, and that person may say, well, I, you know, I don't know. You, know. you may be rejected. But God takes that seed and, and can water and fertilize and grow that into something uh, greater. The third thing uh, Mr. K or Reverend Cahill says is if they reject you, you get heavenly rewards, which is definitely a witness too. So if you want to lay up treasures in heaven, share your faith. You can't lose, right? The fifth thing, the Holy Spirit will give you the words. Okay, and this is important because sometimes we really don't know what to say. We don't know how to start the conversation. And you don't really know what objections that the person is going to bring up, and you feel like, well, I'm inadequate. I don't know the Bible well enough, or, you know, I don't know if I can explain it the way that it needs to be explained. But listen, I promise you, personal experience, if you take that step and you begin sharing your faith, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. It's happened in, in my experience every single time. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus talked to his followers about being a witness. He says, now when they bring you to the synagogue and the magistrates and the authorities, don't worry about what you should answer or what you should say. And in verse 12 he said, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So again, it's a matter of trust. Do you trust the Lord enough to be courageous enough to believe what he says, to know he's got you, and to take that step and to share your faith? He'll give you the words to speak. And... Uh, I think about, and I think it's Numbers chapter 22 that uh, that God even spoke to a donkey. Y'all remember that? If He can do that, surely He can speak to us, right? Number six, our job is to plant seeds or water the soil. God takes care of the growth. And again, 
We talked about that a second ago, but just like the gardener, those of you that garden, uh, you can't force the seeds to spring forth, okay? With merely life by its will, evangelists can't force people to respond to the message of Christ just by their will. God is the one who gives life, both physically and spiritually. So we see in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 7, so then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Again, it's a matter of trust. And we should take opportunities that we're given to plant the seeds by sharing the gospel, every opportunity uh, that we have. And then the last one is this, God will go with you. And we've seen it several times. He said it to Joshua. He tells it to us in the Great Commission. He says after he gave the Great Commission and go to the after he gave the great commission to go to make disciples in Matthew 28, Jesus said, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, you know, going out on your own can be a frightening thing, but you know, really, you're never alone because God promises. He's always with you. And I can share uh, uh, one personal experience. Uh, I could probably share several, but there's one specifically that I can talk to you about and involves fear, and that is in I think it was 2003, maybe 2004, I don't remember the, the specific year because Nancy and I had the privilege to go to, to Rio uh, on an evangelistic mission trip. And our job was we're going to go into the very poor areas of Rio. And these are called the favelas. And it's a little make-two houses that are stacked on top of each other up on the side of the hill around uh, the rich part of town. You know, when you hear about Rio, you think of Sugarloaf and, uh, you know, you see all, you, you think of the, the, the beaches and all the, the fancy nightlife and all that around the water. But that's only about 2% of what's there. The rest of it is very, very poor. So our job was to go into the very poor parts and share our faith, share the gospel. Uh, the one thing about Rio is that there's a very little order, and the area where we work, we were being protected by the drug lords. Okay? So you, you, why is that? Why would the drug lords protect the missionaries? Because and it's because we were there ministering to their families. Okay? They, we were no threat to the, to, to the drug lords. The only risk was, or, and the danger was, getting caught in a crossfire in a gun battle between the two different gangs or two different uh, groups of people. And it wasn't uncommon when we were there to hear gunfire. And matter of fact, there was a couple of our groups that had a pretty close call uh, and had to duck in a building to avoid bullets flying by, you know. So there was one particular incident where, and they speak Portuguese there, as many of you, I'm sure, well know, but we spoke to interpreters. So there was one instance where we were walking down this little rocky path, and I saw a group of what appeared to be drug lords or, or drug dealers standing in a group congregated, and they had their machine guns, and, you know, they were looking at you kind of, you know, real snarly and all that. So, so the Lord plays a trick on me. He says, you need to share the gospel with those guys. And I'm like, What? No, he didn't say that. Yeah, yeah, I really felt compelled. You need to stop and share the gospel with these guys. I'm like, oh my goodness. So, fear, okay? Fear rushed through my mind. You got to be kidding me. So I tell my interpreter, I said, I said, uh, I, we need to stop and talk to these guys. And the interpreter says, No, you can't. No, these guys. I said, Yeah. You know, we need to, I want to share the gospel with these guys. And she, she says, 
Okay, all right. So she walked up to the fellow that appeared to be the leader, and she asked him permission. These are missionaries from the America. Can he? Will you listen? Can he share uh, the gospel? And the guy said, "Sure." So they put the rifles down and stood in a circle, and I shared the gospel with probably about 20 or 25 drug dealers on the side of a rocky hill in Rio de Janeiro. I explained to them that we live in a fallen world. I explained to them that they have the Mount Corcovado, they have the Christ statue that stands there on the mountain overlooking Rio. And they understand who Jesus is, but they don't understand why he came. So I explained that he came to pay the penalty for sin, that we're all sinful. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And I pointed it out to them in Romans chapter 3, and I went through the plan of salvation and explained that only in Christ can you find forgiveness from your sins. And the fear that I initially had was completely gone. The Holy Spirit had replaced that fear with courage and with confidence, and I was able to, through Christ and through him only, to be able to stand with confidence and, and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in that place, in that situation with those young men. And I don't know if any of those folks accepted Christ. None of them came forward because had they done that in that culture, they would have been killed. But you could see the sense by looking into their eyes that the, that the gospel had penetrated into their heart and into their mind. And what they did with that, that's up to them and the Lord. I have no idea. But it's an example of how when we take that step, when we ignore the fear, trust God, and take that step, God takes care of the rest of it. And we don't have to worry about it because why? He, it's his promise. He's promised it all through his word. 365 times he tells us, don't be afraid. Be courageous. Jesus says in uh, Matthew 9 that the harvest is plentiful, uh, but the laborers are few. He says, fear not, be bold for the sake of the gospel. Uh, so the question I have for you today is, are we going to be laborers? Are we going to be courageous Christians? Or are we willing to take steps of faith and love to share the message of the gospel? Or are we not? There's a dying world out there that desperately needs to hear about Jesus. And about him crucified. And in fact, he's our only hope. If, you've got, if you're putting your hope in politicians or any in money or anything else, my friend, that's, that's absolutely the wrong place. We can only find hope in Jesus Christ. And I encourage you today to look into God's Word, to take advantage of these promises that God has made to us, and to be bold. Be bold for the gospel. And God promises he'll never leave you and never forsake you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blessings. And we thank you for such a beautiful morning that we can come to church and to worship. And, Lord, to read your word and to be reminded, God, of your promises that you, you tell us that if we're just faithful, if we just give you our heart and we, we step out on your behalf, Lord, you promise us that you never leave us, you never forsake us, and you've got our back. You'll never leave us hanging. And God, we're so grateful for that. It gives us such confidence and assurance to know that we serve the true and risen Lord. God, we pray this morning as um, the music begins to play, we.
pray that as the Holy Spirit has already been moving around the congregation, Lord, that your will be done here this morning. Lord, that your word would resonate in the hearts and minds of those listening today. God, we trust you. We've shared the word. We've shared your promises. And Lord, the results are in your hands. And we love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1.12, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine, Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father. You are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I can help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.